Hello and welcome to the June edition of Capital Yarns, the podcast. My name's Sean Costello and uh, each month the Capital Yarns podcast, with the help of family and friends, brings together stories inspired by you. Most particularly, stories inspired by three items that people have nominated via social media for me, Sean Costello, to weave into a yarn set in Canberra, the capital of Australia, my hometown, and something I'm very passionate about. And speaking of passion, this has probably been my family's favourite story that I've written, and so it's really exciting to bring it to life for you today. It's called The Brumbies and the Unicorns, and it's available in the Capital Yarns uh, book of stories that you can learn more about on the website. Inspired by three items nominated by Twitter, nominated via Twitter by Jane Doe 2, Nurse plus Mountains plus Unicorn. And it felt like an appropriate time to do this yarn as the three items would suggest featuring the mountains. Snow season's just started here in this part of Australia, in the southeast of Australia. Many people travelling to the very nearby snow mountains to uh, start enjoying the ski fields. And so it felt like a really nice time to do this story. Thank you. The Brumbies and the Unicorns A figure gently opened Selena's door and crept into the room. Selena squinted at the light entering the darkened room. I'm still awake, Mum. How is your shift? Marina walked over and sat on the end of the bed. Selena, my work tonight reminded me of why I became a nurse. But, my beautiful girl, you should be asleep. I'm sick of being different, Mum. Marina could see fresh tears on Selena's cheeks. My darling, what is different about you? You and your brother have your father's beautiful eyes. You have my mother's long brown hair. But my brother doesn't have my hijab. Marina smiled ruefully. Your hijab is part of who you are too, Selena. I know, Mum. But the other girls at school don't see it that way. Ah, you have forgotten the story of the Brumbies and the Unicorns. That's a kid's story. No, my love. Let me tell it to you again. Many decades ago, the Brumbies, horses and unicorns lived in relative peace. The Brumbies were the biggest of the cousins, due in part to their living in the lush and bountiful Brindabella Mountains. Nonetheless, the horse and unicorns preferred to live in their home countries, which for the most part had enough food and water for them to thrive. The cousins would share things across their borders, The Brumbies' strength meant they could obtain food from difficult and inaccessible parts of the mountains. They would trade this with the horses for man-made things like trinkets and jewellery. The unicorns are a mystical creature and they could make healing potions from the river water and flowers. From time to time, horses and unicorns would seek refuge in the mountains with the Brumbies. When the first horses or unicorns came, the Brumbies would accept them into their herd. However, as more came, the Brumbies grew jealous. There was plenty to go round, but they became suspicious of the horses and unicorns. It was particularly bad for the unicorns. The horses looked more like Brumbies, and left to run wild would quickly take on the Brumbies' appearance and aggression. The unicorns, however, were always marked by the single straight horn on their forehead. Nonetheless, the outsiders made the Brumbies' herd stronger and better. 
They brought knowledge of healing in the human world. The horses and unicorns allowed to stay married the Brumbies, creating new and wonderful children who combined the best elements of the different species. Until the next newcomers came and the tension would begin again. On one occasion, during a terrible drought, the unicorns ran out of water in their rivers. They had no choice but to seek refuge with the Brumbies, and again the Brumbies grew jealous. At the Great Herd Conference on Bimbury Peak, they met to debate what was to be done. The more reasonable Brumbies were small and were soon drowned out by the larger, more muscular animals who believed unicorns should either become like Brumbies or leave. Some unicorns cut off their horns, while those that refused were forced to leave. For decades, no unicorns were seen in the mountains, or the rivers, or the valleys. They were thought extinct by horse, human, and Brumby alike. Then the Grey Plague came. It wiped out whole families of Brumbies, striking them down with a grey film over their eyes, then blistering their mouth preventing them eating. Eventually, even the most wild, fierce and strong Brumby would lie down and die. The illness took Winnie's father and brothers. She wanted desperately to help them, but she didn't know what to do. She was only a foal. And then her mother's eyes turned grey. She ran to see her grandfather, Mistletoe, who was a member of the Great Herd Conference, but when she arrived, the conference was meeting. We must do something to end this plague, Mistletoe said, addressing the other members. But unicorns are not the answer, yelled back a bigger, white-coated Bromby. For all we know, they brought the grey death upon us, if they still exist. Nonsense, Firebrand. The unicorns did not bring this upon us. The legend tells us that a unicorn can be found at our greatest time of need, by the banks of the Murrumbidgee, close to the cotter. And what then, Mistletoe? Firebrand asked. Send a party out to the Murrumbidgee? That is not our land. It is too close to the humans. We cannot survive there. We will die, or worse, be captured by them. No, instead we should continue trying our own flowers. The legend says that a unicorn will help us find the healing flower. His or her horn will glow red when the flower is close, Mistletoe began. Enough, Firebrand yelled, cutting him off. I am the leader of this herd, and I will determine who comes to this herd. No more unicorns. We are a great and lucky herd. We will find a solution ourselves. Winnie watched Mistletoe drop his head in disappointment and knew what she must do. She didn't have a moment to spare. She galloped as fast as her small legs would allow away from the mountain peak. She ran and ran for many hours, always heading downhill. But darkness had begun to descend around her, and she realised she had no idea where the cotter mouth of the Murrumbidgee was. She slumped down and began to cry. She leapt up as she felt hooves approaching. I'm sorry, came a timid voice from the darkness. The figure moved into a thin sliver of moonlight and she saw it was a small black horse. Are you a Brumby? 
the male horse asked. I'm Winnie, she said, nodding. Are you going to hurt me? the horse asked. Winnie laughed. Brumbies don't hurt horses. And she stopped herself. Do we? The black horse turned his head to examine her more closely. I don't know. I only know that Brumbies are fierce wild horses. I'm Raiden. Shall we agree we won't hurt each other? Winnie smiled and nodded. I heard you crying. Are you okay? Winnie sighed. I'm lost. I'm trying to find the cottermouth of the Murrumbidgee. I know where that is, Raiden replied. But it is a dangerous place. Why do you want to go there? My mother is sick and I believe there is a unicorn there that can help me. Raiden paused for a moment. He seemed to be weighing up a great problem. At last he spoke. All right, I will take you. Great, let's go, exclaimed Winnie. We should wait until tomorrow when there is light. It will be easier to find and it can be a dangerous place at night. It is many days gallop from here. Winnie nodded and yawned. I could do with sleep. Me too, replied Raiden, and he lay down next to her. They nuzzled into each other to keep warm and closed their eyes. Just as she was falling asleep, a thought suddenly occurred to Winnie. Raiden, you're a horse. Why are you wandering around the mountains at night? Must sleep now, he replied sleepily. I will tell you tomorrow. As the first rays of sunlight appeared through the clouds, the two adventurers set off. They had many adventures on their way to the cotter, adventures that would bind them together. They would each save each other's lives, but those are stories for another time. At last they reached the woods near the river, and Raiden stopped. He was bigger now, for they had travelled some months. He had also become wilder, taking on less of the appearance of a horse. There is the river mouth, Winnie. We have been through much together. I hope you find what you need there. Aren't you coming with me, Raiden? she asked. He shook his head. You asked me, that first night we met, why I was on that hillside. My humans kept me in a paddock near here. One night, another group of humans broke in and set fire to the grassland, scaring my family. We ran in many different directions, and that is the last time I saw them. I do not wish to go further into this place, and I certainly do not wish to see any humans. Winnie nodded. Thank you, Raiden. I will be here if you need me. Tentatively, Winnie walked out of the woods and into the open grasslands around the river. It was a beautiful sight. Recent rains had filled the river and it was running quickly over rocks and falls. The sandbanks and surrounding gum trees, along with a gently moving mist, gave the place a mystical air. But Winnie saw no unicorns. What was she to do now? She walked around searching for some sign of nearby life. She dared not call out. She suddenly felt incredibly thirsty. The pair had found few waterholes on their travels and the desire to drink from the river overwhelmed her. 
She walked to the riverbed and, checking around for human life, knelt down and drank. The water was delicious, rich and cool, more refreshing than any water she had drunk before. When she finished drinking, she again scanned the area around her. Had she really come this far only to fail? She turned to find Raiden had approached. Raiden, you didn't have to come. I think I am going to go back to the forest anyway. We have failed, my friend. There are no unicorns here. Winnie, he whispered, look at your reflection in the water. Winnie again turned towards the water and looked down. She took a step back in surprise at what she saw. There was a single horn protruding from her head. Raiden, how long has that been there? It appeared just now. That's why I was brave enough to leave the forest. I wanted to tell you that you are the unicorn. You are the legend. Winnie stared at her reflection in the river. She was indeed a unicorn, and there was a slight red tinge to her horn. Raiden, help me. I think my horn is telling us there are mystical flowers nearby. Together they walked around, Raiden watching Winnie's horn as they searched. This way, Winnie. Yes, this is it, he said, indicating a patch of purple flowers. I know these flowers, Winnie said. They grow wild where our herd graze. She plucked them in her mouth and the friends rushed to return to Winnie's camp. By some force of nature, their trip back was much quicker. Perhaps they knew the way the second time, or perhaps it was Winnie's new powers. They arrived back into the Brumby camp late one night. Winnie returned to her home to find her mother lying down, a grey rash all over her body. Without thinking, she nuzzled the flowers into her mother's mouth. At once, the colour began to return to her body. In a matter of moments, Winnie's mother was standing and back to full health. My darling Winnie, I didn't know where you were. What have you discovered? The cure, mother, the cure. Winnie helped others find the flowers nearby, and the herd was quickly rid of the plague. Raiden joined the herd and together with Winnie became a great leader. They had children, some brumbies, some horses, and some unicorns, and they passed a law that never again would the herd turn away those in need. And that is how the horses, unicorns and brumbies were reunited, through one brave girl who dared to dream of something better. Marina looked down at her daughter, who had now fallen into a deep sleep. She didn't know how much of the story she had heard, but she was pleased. Because there was a smile on Selena's face, and in her hand she held tightly to her chest a hijab. Well, I hope you enjoyed that story. The Brummies and the Unicorns, with a great deal of help from my family, it was really enjoyable bringing that one to life. As I said, one of the favourite stories that we all have. Uh, and thank you to Jane Doe too for the three items that inspired it. If you'd like to also nominate three items to weave into a story, you can find out more at capitalgarns.com.au. Details are there also about where you can purchase the Capital Yarns book. Uh, and keep abreast of all the things happening in the Capital Yarns world via Twitter and Facebook. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you to Hashimoto for supplying the theme music, and I'll uh, see you in July. Keep warm. Bye for now. <laughs>